Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Hey, Jeff, and welcome back to Cut for Time. Thanks, Claire. Good to see you. Thanks, you too. Um, So Jeff, you wrapped up our series, our latest series, which is The God Who Draws Near. Um, And why don't you just kind of, if you could summarize the series for us, um, what are we going to walk away with? What do we want to remember from this series, our big takeaways? And then if you could also just like give us an overview of your sermon, maybe do those in reverse order, I guess. Okay. So, uh, yeah, this last Sunday, we finished up in Matthew 9, uh, 9 to 17. So it's a story, a couple of interactions recorded in all three of the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, where uh, Jesus sees this tax collector, Matthew, invites him to come follow him. And then Matthew throws a party at his house to kind of celebrate what God has done in his life. And all these undesirables are there and the religious leaders are upset about it and want to know why is Jesus hanging out with those people? Mm-hmm. And uh, then Jesus has this, you know, the famous, uh, it's not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And I've not come to call righteous people, but sinners to repentance. And then another group of kind of religious people come, some of the followers of John the Baptist and want to know, why are your disciples not fasting like we are? It seems like you're not taking this God thing seriously enough, Jesus. And he says, well, you know, when the bridegroom shows up, you don't fast and look all somber. You have a party and you celebrate and God's doing a new thing here and and we have to celebrate and recognize that. So it, it was, I think it's really largely about um, Jesus coming into a world where all of us have these sort of expectations of, about what it means to be a good person and the kind of people that God smiles on and likes and favors and Jesus kind of messes with all those expectations about how God works in the world and what he's like and what he wants from us. And, and the good news is that Jesus is saying, uh, I've come for all the messed up, broken people. Anyone who knows that they're messed up and broken and needy and lost, those are the people that I came for. And if you think that you're, quote, righteous, then I don't have a lot to say to you because you don't think you need anything. And and what I've come to do is offer life and forgiveness and healing and hope for people that know they need it. And when that happens, the response is celebration and rejoicing, not gloom and fasting and sorrow. And uh, I mean, that's a part of life, right? That's just, but Jesus is saying that the dominant theme, if we've really come to know his life is celebration and rejoicing, because God is actually with us. And, and that's awesome. And that, that sort of wraps up, caps uh, all of this series that we've been looking at about the God who draws near, because we, we had Jesus teaching and, you know, wisdom and the picture of life in his kingdom uh, in, in what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And now he comes down off of the mountain and into the reality of our lives, into the reality of brokenness and longing and, um, messed up bodies and messed up relationships and a world that isn't the way it's supposed to be. And Mm -hmm. Jesus is showing what it looks like when 
he shows up in those places and the life and the healing and the transformation that he brings. Yeah. So yeah, that kind of, that, that brings together really what this series has been about. And, and so I think, yeah, that the takeaway that we hope people get from this is as we see Jesus stepping into the physical brokenness and the overwhelming chaos of this world and the threats from evil around us, um, is God doing anything? And do we have any hope in the middle of that? And Jesus is saying, oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It, it doesn't always work out or maybe even often work out the way that we want, but he wants us to know that he's with us. He cares, he's engaged and he's creating a community of people around him that live out that transformation and that life and that joy and the presence of Jesus with us. And, and that then we can take that out to the broken, messed up world and people around us. Totally. Yeah. Um, just hearing you talk about this reminds me of something that I've learned and I'm, uh, not an expert in world religions. Um, I took one class in college. So um, I'm not sure if this is accurate or not, but this is something that I remember hearing at one point, which is like, if you take into consideration of all of the world, like all of the religions um, and different belief systems from around the world um, and imagine the deity or the God at the center Mm. of each of them on their Mm. own mountain, okay? Mm. The belief system for all of these religions, except Christianity, is to ascend the mountain. Like Mm. you coming Mm. to God, you um, trying to make your way up to be able to like up to God's level or, or like the God of, you know, whatever religion that you believe in. Or not even trying to get up there, but like they're just really distant. They're inaccessible. But mm. the one thing that's really the like, there's so many different things that are beautiful about Christianity, but unique to Christianity is it's the only religion where God comes down the mountain and comes to us and draws near to those, you know, to his people. And so, um, I just, yeah, I'm reminded of that when we talk about like the series in general, just the beauty of Mm. like, what a celebration we get to have because our God comes to us. We don't have to figure out the perfect formula to be able to like access God Mm. or um, be heard by God. Maybe if we're hope, like, you know, if we're doing everything right or um yeah. So is that accurate? I'm sure you know more about world religions than I do, but that is something that I remember learning. And so I hope that that hasn't changed. I don't know. Let, let's yeah, let's just say that's accurate. I yeah, I that's a good question. I mean, I, who knows comprehensively all the world religions? Um, but yeah. yeah, I think that is I mean, as as I understand it, I think that is totally unique about Christianity. And that includes not just religion but worldviews you know that that it's just about everything else is naturally going to be us focused right like what we do and what can we do to make life work to make ourselves good to you know get things lined up the right way and that's what jesus lovingly comes to sort of bust us out of and, you know, the irony is it was God's people that fell into that same kind of, you know, trap, that same kind of misunderstanding of what a relationship with God is like, that Jesus is coming to, he's not 
I mean, he, the, the new covenant is new in the sense that he's fulfilling and completing what God has promised, but it's not new in the sense of like, oh, this is like totally different from who God is in the Old Testament or anything he's promised. No, it's like, that's exactly what God has been saying from the beginning, right? Like he brings the people out of Egypt and then he gives them direction and instruction for how to live as his people. Yeah. The the laws and the instruction aren't there to, you know, to get God's favor, or to help them know that God really likes you because you're doing a good job at this. No, he's saying, you're my people and I love you. So I want to guide you in wisdom about how to live. And over time, just like our natural tendency, right, is to take those good laws and rules and guidelines and turn them into something else that becomes about us. And, and that's the beautiful message of what Jesus has come to do is reclaim what relationship with God really is because of what he's done and his righteousness. And, and that's where, again, you know, we see him running to the people that are on the outside, maybe we would tend to look down on, right? Like prostitutes, sinners, tax collectors. And why would Jesus, why would a good righteous person hang out with them? And well, because I came to people who know that they're broken and need help. And that's an offer for everyone. That's good news for all of us if we're we're humble enough to accept it. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Thanks, Jeff. So, um, Jeff, we got a question submitted for Cut for Time. Oh, awesome. It's just like always exciting. Um, really appreciate people engaging in that way. Um, yeah. So, um, you mentioned being like the president of the Y Club which like, I also would totally be a participant in that group. Um, can you talk a little bit more at like the, about the evils at play in the world? Like we, mm. we talked a lot about how God is working and we know God is working. We can see God working. There's proof of God working. He is present. But what about like maybe these other things at play, like the you know, different types of evil that's whether it's just like the natural order or Satan or other people's sinfulness or our own sinfulness. How does that, um, how do we kind of like hold that intention with like, yes, we know God's working, but also these other things are working too. And do, you know, we don't know they don't cancel each other out because we know God has power over that, but like, how do you hold both of those at the same time? Wow. That, yeah, that's a really good question. And there, yeah, that kind of opens up, man, so many potential answers and directions and could be like a whole podcast series on how we, how we wrestle with those things. And Christians have always, and uh, you know, God's people have always wrestled with those questions. I mean, that's the question in the book of Job. Like, you know, one answer is, well, your life's bad because you did something wrong. So stop doing bad things and and then life will work. And, and, you know, God and Joe both rightly say, no, that's, that's not, that's a little simplistic. That's not how the world works. There are in Job's story, evil forces at work beyond our control that we don't understand. And God, for some reason, allows evil spiritual forces to continue to be at work in this world and in this age. And in some way, some sense, Jesus has disarmed the authorities and powers so that, uh, you know, we only know our experience of life in this world, not what it was before Jesus came. So in some sense, Jesus has disarmed those powers and yet they're still allowed to work and harass and tempt and try to mislead. And like you said, there's also our own, you know, the just indwelling effects of lingering sin and the flesh and 
wrong desires and wrong responses to temptations in us. And, and that's true for everyone. So other people's choices, like, man, I, uh, I can be really good at wondering like, oh man, why did those people do that? And, uh, or why did God people let those people do that? Except he lets me do things that aren't good for me or for other people too. And, and I think there's just a mystery there that when God created beings in his image, that's a, I don't think we, I still struggle to fully understand and appreciate all that that means a, a being that could actually represent God on this earth in, in meaning that we make choices that matter and our choices have consequences and God allows us to make choices and experience consequences because that's what it, that's who God is, right? He speaks and the world comes into existence mm-hmm. and we speak and act and things change and, and God I think we'd say in one sense respects us as people made in his image to allow us still to be able to make choices, even wrong, bad choices that we, that God disagrees with, like the prodigal son. I mean, the father does not stop his son from running off and, and even taking, you know, impoverishing the father by taking away some of the wealth and, and wasting it. Mm -hmm. And Yet the God is working in that because the son comes to his senses and comes home and is welcome back. And yeah, and I, I think in this life where we're living in the tension between the kingdom already having come in a real way, but not in the fullest way, that's where faith comes into play constantly, right? Like, we won't need faith in heaven because there everything will be the way it should be. And there won't be any more sin or sorrow or sickness or death or brokenness or evil or any of it. And and we won't need faith because we'll just be in God's presence and everything will be great. And in this life, we walk by faith, which means, especially when things are not going the way they ought to, that we have to go back to remind ourselves who God is, who Jesus is for us and with us, and trust him, in, especially in that moment where there's pain or brokenness or unanswered prayers, um, and, and to trust him in the sense that uh, I have to go back to the foundations of what is God's character and, and what is his attitude towards me? in this moment, in this pain, in this disappointment, um, because the fact that it's painful and disappointing does not mean I've done something wrong or God doesn't love me or he's not at work. It means it's something that I don't understand. And he's asking me to trust and remind myself that he's still good and he's still my hope and he's still my savior and he still loves me and he can still be good in my life, even when the circumstances are not good. Does that, I mean, does that help? Does, I, I wish I had a better answer than, the, you know, but that's, I think to say anything shorter, like that's where we get in trouble is where we offer the simplistic answers, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's the reality of a life of faith in a world full of brokenness and a complex, uh, incomprehensible interweaving of all kinds of choices and wills and desires that are bouncing off each other all the time. Mm-hmm. And God is the only one wise enough to 
navigate through and control and oversee all that in a way that he can work for our ultimate good. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. We'll end there, Jeff. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Great question. That's a, that's a big one. Maybe we need to do a deep dive on that sometime. Mm, That's a great idea. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.